This show is brought to you in part by the University of Advancing Technology. UAT is a unique technology-infused private college that was founded by a geek for other geeks. Our mission is to educate students in the fields of advancing technology to become innovators of the future. UAT's campus culture is devoted to continually nurturing a thriving geek community where everyone's personal lives and professional aspirations revolve around technology. The beginning of the 21st century is an exciting time to be in the technology community. Current subjects of ongoing research and scholarship at UAT include robotics and embedded systems, artificial life programming, information and network security, game development, and other areas of advanced technology. Check them out on the web at www.uat.edu. Shoutcast streaming provided by Versus the World Productions, www.vtwproductions.com. I am Gnomewise. I am Gonora. I am Iolite. I am Daxa. I am Grail. And I am Versus You. I am Versus You. And I am Versus You. I am Versus You. And I'm Versus You. Casually Hardcore, Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT, only on vtwproductions.com. I ain't afraid of the mic. I'm not afraid of the mic. Well, um, we would like to welcome you again to Phoenix Comic Con here at uh, uh, Comic Con 2011. Um, without further ado, I'll go ahead and uh, go ahead and introduce to you guys a uh, a co-creator, executive producer of Sci-Fi's Eureka, which will be airing the season 4.5 on a new night at 8 p.m. on Monday, July 11th. So let's go ahead and give a warm welcome to Jamie Palia. I totally just hijacked Stan's panel to get applause for me. That's awesome. <laughs> Hi, guys. Spider-Man, X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, the Avengers, Hulk, Captain America, the Fantastic Four, Daredevil, I mean, the creations of Stan Lee with artist Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and others changed the face of popular culture, as I know you're all aware, because you're wearing the face of popular culture right now. Um, he created heroes who had humanity as well as powers. And we connected with them, and we cared about them. And he's the man who made me want to read. I learned how to read um, with Spider-Man. And I honestly wouldn't be a writer, I don't think, if it wasn't for Stan Lee. So it is uh, my greatest honor and pleasure to introduce um, my childhood icon, and someone I get to now call a friend because of Phoenix Comic Con last year, the one, the only, Stan Lee. Wait, I'm do we ready. have a mic? Do we have a mic on? Does this one work? Is the mic not on? No. Does this one work? Do you want me to shout? Here, why don't you talk? Here, Stan, come on over here. Take this one for a minute. I mean, we got one good mic in the whole place. <laughs> Jeez, uh -huh. now you got to do here it. Here we go. All right, Stan. Is here. that one working? This will work. I don't know. I kind of like standing up here. It feels powerful.
But next time I wish you'd say something nice about me. <laughs> Excelsior! Excelsior! <laughs> uh, the, the okay, other... that's it for me. I'm gone. You're gone. Always walk out on a high note, Stan. That's a good idea. Um, the other reason I had to come was to write a great injustice that has happened in Hollywood. It's something that I consider... It's a, it's, a, it's a personal mission of mine. We have the Oscars. We have Best Actor and Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress. Why don't we have an award for Best Cameo? Right? Absolutely! Absolutely! I personally believe it's because the Oscars are not good enough for Stan Lee. He is in a category unto himself. <laughs> Therefore, this year at Phoenix Comic Con, we are going to give the first inaugural award, not the Oscar, but the Stan, for best brief starring role in a film or television series. May I bring it up, please? All for you, Stan. <laughs> That's the best part of it. Got my name spelled right. Can't read it all. You want me to read that for Didn't you? you Here. Have a bigger one? <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so this says Greatest brief starring role actor ever, Stan Lee, May 29th, uh, 2011, presented by your loyal followers. So. <laughs> I love it. And it looks like an Oscar. <laughs> or a Joe. Or a one last thing before we... It's a stand. Do I have to sit there again? If you want to. Can I stand with you? You can stand with me. Absolutely. Um, the one little thing we wanted to give you also from all of us at Eureka, because actually you guys are going to get to enjoy what I like to consider his best cameo appearance ever on Eureka in season 4.5 and episode three. So we have uh, a little something signed by the entire cast and crew and writers. Oh, wow. And that was me, that was me in the, in the cameo. Oh, that's terrific. Now that is terrific. All right, so. Now I'm glad I came. <laughs> Gee whiz. Okay, so I know that I could stand up here and I could ask Stan a whole litany of questions that you guys are going to... I wouldn't have the answer anyway. He's just well, going to make it up. I got to tell you, you know who this man is? Okay, I wrote a few comic books. This guy is a writer, a producer, a director of a TV series that is now in what season? How... Uh, we'll be, we're making season five now. But... Season five? How many people do that? He's like a one-man show. He writes movies, and I am so proud to be here with Jamie Paglia, I got to tell you. Thank you for having me. Right. I had to say that on kind of the T-shirt. <laughs> so, um, wow, I'm certainly not a one-man show. There's an amazing group of people that uh, make the show possible. But we are going to also be doing a panel for Eureka um, with the fantabulous Will Wheaton after this. Um, so for those of you who want to stick around, 
we might actually get a peek at the cameo that he's doing for our show for that too. But I would actually like to open this up to questions from you guys. I'm assuming that we have mics out there somewhere going around up here. There we go. We got a microphone up here. So why don't you guys start coming up and I will help uh, facilitate the questions to uh, Mr. Stanley here. Yeah, he's also a great facilitator. I don't want to get too far away from my Oscar. You can keep that right in front. <laughs> Test one. There we go. All right, right Stanley. Yes. I'd like to apologize first off for the shirt that I'm wearing right now. Um, it's a Superman shirt. Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank you because, again, I read because of comic books. I, it wasn't because I had to read, it's because I wanted to read. Um, so I started collecting third, fourth grade, and now I started teaching fourth graders, and I've been teaching for five years now, and I'm about to start teaching second grade. Um, my question for you is this. When I taught fourth grade, one of my favorite questions to ask my, my, my students was, if you had a superpower, what would it be and why? So I'd like to ask you that so I can tell my kids, this is what Stan Lee said. So if you had a superpower, Mr. Lee, uh, what would it be and why? If I had a superpower, what would it be, you say? What would I want? What would, what would, what would you and want and why would you want it? Well... I hate to confess this in front of all you people, and don't let it get any further, but I do not have a superpower. Um, but if I did, the one that I would want is probably one you wouldn't expect. The superpower I would want is luck. Because if you're lucky, then you have everything. Whatever you do, it turns out fine, because you're lucky. Nothing bad happens because you're lucky. So maybe I should come up. Oh, maybe that's an idea for a new. Ooh, ooh long oh, shot. that's Mr. Lucky. Huh? Oh, yeah, but he'll do it first because he's faster than I am. You'll, you'll see it on his show and it'll be a guest star and I'll have lost it. But anyway, that's the power. That's the power I would I would really like. Luck. Thank, thank you very much. See, I'm lucky today. We've got a big audience. I'm here with Jamie. The sun is shining. Everybody seems happy. I want to quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> uh, Stan, that's not luck. That's skill, and you got it. Anyways, um, I, I, I'm a big um, reader of DC also, uh, Green Lantern. Loved your Just Imagine series when you released that. If you had the option of making any of your Just Imagine characters into an ongoing, which one would it be? Before I answer, I have to tell you something. Uh, years ago, I heard perfectly. I had great hearing. Now, as you get older, what happens, I heard your voice, but the words don't sound clear when they come through the microphone. If I were talking to you, I'd hear everything you said. So, Jamie, would you just let me, would you translate Absolutely. for me? Absolutely. Re repeat that one for me one more time. Okay. Yeah, because he wasn't listening. Yes. All right. Let, let me... <laughs> See? So you have skill. I don't. Um... All right. Uh, if you can re, if you can uh, put any of your just imagined characters when you re-release the Superman, Batman, uh, Green Lantern, and such, and make them into an ongoing, which well, those character aren't, would those you aren't stands though. I heard no, Superman no, and Batman. He, he did just, that. Oh, just oh, imagines. Gotcha. Um, if you can make any of those characters into an ongoing, uh, which one do you pick and why? If you could make any of those characters into an ongoing, which one would you pick and why? 
If I could make Superman or Batman ongoing, what do you mean? They are ongoing. Aren't they still being published? I meant your versions, boss. <laughs> or man. Say one I meant your versions of the characters. Your versions, the of, your versions of the characters. I did. <laughs> you probably didn't see it. I don't know how many years ago, DC asked me to do a series called I don't remember what they called it, but something like, if I had made up the characters, how would I write that's, them? That's what he's asking you, Stan. Oh, you, yeah. but, well, what's the question? <laughs> I'd be glad to answer it. What are you asking? The question is, um, I know you made all the characters. Which one would you like to have kept on going? Like, if you could have... Oh, which, would I, have, which yeah. would I have wanted to keep going? All of them. I thought I did a great job on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say that you're the first one to actually make Aquaman interesting to me, so I give you great credit for that. <laughs> I, um, I, I got to tell you, I loved writing those, and I've often thought some of them would make great movies, but they can't do it because they can't contradict the way their characters really are, and I can't make a movie of it because they belong to DC, so those great ideas are in limbo somewhere, and... I guess unless they reprint them, nobody will ever see them. What a pity. And they were so great. I forgot to tell you, I'm my biggest fan. <laughs> um, I can't really reach the mic. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in the new Captain America upcoming movie, where would you appear in it? Or are you going to appear? Are you making a cameo in Captain America? Oh, am I? It's a great one. I can't tell you what it is. And, but I, you'll get a kick out of it when you see it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, I did. I was at a, a convention somewhere, and I stupidly told what one of my future cameos was. And I don't think I should have done that. I think the studio will probably be angry when they find out. So don't tell them if you know about it. <laughs> And so I'm not supposed to tell what any cameos are. And I'm not in, oh, I'll tell you another thing. I'm not in the um, X-Men. I don't have a cameo in that. And so, all right, I was telling Jamie, I think they purposely did that for a reason. They figure the people who go to see the X-Men, when they leave the theater, they're going to say, hey, I just realized I didn't see Stan's cameo. I must have missed it and they'll buy another ticket and go back to see it. So the X-Men will do twice as much business as any other movie. It was very clever of them. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, Mr. Lee. Uh, the question that I have for you is that of all of the characters that you have created, is there any one that you would have done differently now over the past few years? I heard the whole thing until, is there anyone I, is there and I missed that it. you would have done, you would do differently now, that you would have changed? That's a good question. Um, no, no, I, I <laughs> no, I can't think of any. I, I know I, I love them all. I think they're wonderful. I, they're, they're great. I, in fact, no, seriously, I can't think of anything I would have changed offhand. Maybe when I get home, something will come to me, and you'll have to have another convention so I could let you know, but I don't know. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I heard everything you said until the last part. <laughs> Maybe my hearing's improving. I think it's Don't know. Go ahead. If the producers of Big Bang Theory asked you to come back for another episode, would you want to team up with Will Wheaton to get back at Sheldon? Was that your question? Only if it happens on my show first. That's, uh, that's going to go down. Uh, would you like to go back and do another cameo on Big Bang Theory and team up against Sheldon with Will Wheaton's character? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, um, Chuck Lorre, the producer, had asked me, he said he would try to get another cameo for me, but I guess so much else has been going on. You know, he also does that thing with Sheen, what's his name, the brother-in-law or something? Called. Two and a half men. So he's been busy. But yeah, I, and I'd love to do, and, and I, I want you all to write a lot of mail to this guy. I want to do another uh, cameo in his show, too. I think we can work that out. <laughs> and are you going to be on the, the final season of Chuck? Am I going to be on Are you going to be on the final season of Chuck? What's Chuck? Chuck. <laughs> it's another show, one of your many cameos that you've done. Chuck? Chuck? Yeah. What's Chuck? No, I, I don't... What is Chuck? I'm going to take that to no. <laughs> Your show isn't called Chuck. No, it's not. Well, so what is he talking about? There's another show called Chuck. <laughs> what? I don't know any show called Chuck. Should I... Has he done Chuck? No. Okay. No, you shouldn't. All right, I'm moving right along. No, wait a minute. This is going to drive me crazy. What, what is Chuck? It's a very good show. It's a show. Have I been on it? Uh, no. So he said, would I be, do any more on no. Chuck? But I haven't done any on Chuck. No, not yet, no. Well, I was trying to think, is there a show I was on called Chuck? <laughs> and there isn't. And you're, it's not nice of you to confuse a guy, and, you know. <laughs> I got my shirt, and you mustn't confuse me. All right. Go ahead. Stan Lee, last year I thanked you for all the characters you created. This year I have to make a confession. There is uh -oh. one character above all heroes that I like more than your Marvel superheroes, and that is Fat Mama. That is what? Fat Mama. Oh, from the um, show, uh, Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Yes. Well, she was pretty good. I have no problem with that. <laughs> um, back then, I had asked a question, and you said you would take the idea back that was mentioned in it to, quote-unquote, the boys in the office. And I said was, I would take the idea back? That he had an idea last year. For a character, for a team of superheroes with disabilities like autism and Down syndrome, uh -huh. and I was wondering, what happened? A team of superheroes, what? Who had disabilities like autism and, and <clears throat> other things? You had we mentioned in your last panel. Obviously, you know, <clears throat> when you do anything like this, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to get somebody to pay to print and publish it. I came up with the idea, and I suggested it to a few people, but it fell on deaf ears. Nobody wanted to finance it. So at the moment, it's, it's nowhere. And I'm well, sorry, you know but... that it exists. Yeah. Hmm? Thank you. We have... 
you can do a team, you can do one handicapped person like Daredevil. You do it in a certain way. And frankly, I'm working on another character now that might be put in that category. But somehow a whole team of them, it just seemed to scare the people who pay for these things. And I have not been able to get that idea across. Sorry. How did it feel to um, uh, see your comics turn into live action movies? How does it feel to see your comics turn into live action movies? Oh, you know the best thing about it? All those great directors and producers and special effects men and actors, they do all the work and I get so much of the credit. And it's a, wonder, it's a wonderful arrangement. But to answer your question, it feels great. It really does. I, years ago, when we were doing these characters, never in a million years would we have thought that they'd ever be on the screen. I, I mean, we just hoped the books would sell and we'd keep our jobs. So it's been quite a ride for us. Uh, I just have to say, um, it is an incredible honor to be in your presence, Stan. I'm one of the many fans who grew up with your comic books, with your uh, TV shows, with movies, everything. Um, there was one show that I actually uh, really enjoyed as much as everybody put it down. I was honestly curious if you ever planned on making a new season of Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Because I'd love to be on that show. Could, could you summarize that? I missed it. He wants to know if they're going to make another another se uh, season of Who Wants to Be a Superhero because he enjoyed it. No, I'm afraid that one's gone. You know what happened? It didn't do that well in this country. They loved it in England. So they tried to produce it with uh, teenagers. The same idea. They called it Who Wants to Be a Superhero, but with teenagers. And it really didn't work there either. So it's been given up. But I have a new show you may have heard of called Stanley's Superhumans. I love that and show as well. <laughs> And that one looks like it's going to be a big hit. It's on the History Channel. They didn't think much of it, I think, in the first season. They didn't promote it. But then they realized it was getting great ratings. So now for the second season, which will start in the fall, they're going to do all kind of publicity and promotion. And I think it's going to be a, a hit show. So it'll take the place of who wants to be a superhero, maybe. Well, I just wanted to say, if you ever do decide to make a new season, I'd love to be on that show. Excelsior. <laughs> okay. And in case you forgot, the name is Stan Lee's Superhumans. History Channel. Don't miss it. I'll be checking on you. Uh, hi, Stan. Hi. Uh, I wanted to talk about, like, I'm a big fan of this uh, little phenomenon called Japanese anime. And, yeah. Uh, you have, and you have a... Um, <clears throat> You have something for that called uh, Hero Man. Uh, I was wondering, where did you come up with the very, very original title? And um, do you think it was a major? Do you think it was a success in Japan, and it got a it got a simulcast here, or do you think we do other things like this? You also had a cameo in that, I think. I heard most of it, but not so all. What, where did what I come up with? Question. Would you like Just, to? Do you think it was, Where do you come up with the name, and how do you think it was a success? Which name, Hero uh, Man? Hero Man. How'd you come up with the name and did you think that... You, you do not feel out? that that's the most sophisticated title I could have come up with, do you? I detect that in your tone of voice. Sorry. <laughs> I thought that the Japanese persons would like the title, and apparently they did. And I was doing it for a Japanese company, so I wanted to make them happy. They liked the name Hero Man. 
Um, what was the other point? Um, did, were you happy with how it came out? Do you think it was successful? It was successful, and we're uh, in the process now of seeing about selling it in this country, so you'll be seeing it here. But about me being happy with it, <clears throat> I'm never happy with anything that anybody else does. I always feel it should have been done this way or that way. It's done very much in the Japanese style, which is a good style and is good for the Japanese. But I, th I think I would have made a few changes in it, but it's still a good show. And when it comes over here, I think I'll be able to make the changes I want, so it'll be good for the uh, audience here. But they did a good job, and they, they like it in Japan. Excellent. And uh, you're not supposed to say, I don't know why. I actually like this show, so so thank you very much. Okay, and you're a great human being for adding that last phrase. <laughs> All right, I have a quick question. Um, I've uh, studied uh, humanities and um, uh, sociology for a long time, and I've been wondering, uh, a lot of your comics, especially like, say, X-Men, things like that, they, they tackle very big issues, um, usually big issues that concern civil rights, um, the treatment of others and things such as that. I was wondering if um, at all were those like major uh, roles in, or uh, they really, I guess, uh, surmounted or um, they built up that those, uh, those roles or those characters, uh, like um, X-Men, let's say, for that. Um, would you say that uh, civil rights or things such as that, e equalities, things like that, were uh, major drives in making it? Could you or, summarize or, that one? Yeah, looking at... No, it's the funniest thing. I hear the voice, and I hear, could you, and that's what it sounds like. It's this damn microphone. If somebody talks to me, not with the mic, it's clear to me, but this does something in my ears that it muffles everything. Anyway, you're not interested in my ailments, so go ahead. <laughs> Were civil rights and humanitarian issues important to you in creating characters like the X-Men? <clears throat> Secondarily, the first thing I would ever think of is what can I write, what can I come up with that people will be interested in? What kind of superpowers can I get that people would care about? And how do I make the characters the kind of characters that a reader can relate to? Once that's established, then you say to yourself, okay, what kind of stories am I going to tell? Where can I get a good villain, which is as important or more important than the heroes? You have to have great villains. And then you start to write the story, and you say to yourself, well, gosh, here are these good guys, and nobody likes them, and they're really doing the best they can, but people hate them because they're different. And I thought to myself, that really reflects on society where... People hate other people because they have a different religion or they're from a different nationality or because a blonde hates a redhead or who knows why. Anybody who's different. And I thought that would be a good thing to play up in the series. But when I shouldn't say play up, to mention, to add in the series, but not, not hit anybody over the head with it. So I tried to make it a theme that any thinking person might be aware of it, 
without making it seem as though the stories are lectures, because nobody likes to be lectured to. In fact, I can see how bored you're all getting now, because I'm talking on and lecturing, and I'll stop, I promise. Go ahead. Okay, it was nice. Good night. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay, I'm really short, sorry. Um, this question is actually coming from myself and my 14-year-old nephew, Kylie, who could not be here. It's important that we know who the question is coming from. What is your nephew's name? <laughs> Kylie Kellerman. Okay, continue. So, okay. <laughs> he has a question, and it started to you know, go in my mind. What is the Spider-Man comic book that stands out the most in your mind out of all the comic books that you have made, and why? Well, I heard that whole thing. I see if people are, are females, they have a higher-pitched voice, and the you're microphone welcome. doesn't muffle it as much. So what you're saying is that you can hear the females, but not the males. <laughs> well, I hear That's them better. That's interesting, Stan. I hear them better. We'll go into that after the show. Um, <laughs> that's right. I, uh, you didn't think this was turning into a medical conclave, did you? Anyway, I, I don't have one story that stands out in my mind, but it's funny. There's one cover that does. And my favorite Spider-Man cover is when he decided to stop being Spider-Man. And I think we called it, the name of it was Spider-Man No More. And it shows him in his civilian clothes walking away from the reader in an alley and there's a garbage pail, a trash can, and his Spider-Man costume is draped over the trash can. And I asked John Romita to draw something like that. And I think what he drew was a masterpiece. And strangely, every time I think of Spider-Man, that's the cover I think of. So maybe that... I don't even remember the story that well, but maybe that's my favorite story because of the cover. Thank you. You're welcome. Stan, get some coffee for you. Oh, thank you. What you mean is drink and shut up a while and let you do some talking, right? I would never say that out loud. <laughs> um. This is the nicest guy. You know, he is so tolerant. I wouldn't stand anybody being like that if I was up here. I got to tell you. Where's your coffee? Why didn't they bring you coffee? I don't get coffee, Stan. This See, that's what family. I mean. You're tolerant. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, what, who inspired you to come up with the Hulk, and how did you come up with them? Who inspired you to come up with the Hulk? What was your inspiration for the Hulk? <laughs> you know, I really am not a guy who gets inspirations. Some people imagine sometimes writers walk in the street and suddenly, I've got an inspiration. I never get inspirations. Somebody says, we need a new story. So I go home and I sit and I scratch my head and I try to think of one. With the Hulk, we had already done Spider-Man. And I think we had done X-Men. I think the Hulk might have been third. I'm not sure. But we needed something else. And I said what everybody says, what can I do that's different? We already had a guy who could burst into flame and fly. We had a guy whose body stretched. We had the strongest guy around. You know, the usual. And I figured, I got to get something different. So I remembered 
I had always liked the Frankenstein movie with Boris Karloff. I always thought that the monster was really the good guy. He didn't want to hurt anybody, but those idiots with torches were always chasing him up and down the hills. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to have a monster who's a good guy? But then I figured, well, you can't just have a monster running around all the time. So then I remembered I had always loved Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I thought, what if the monster turns into a regular human being and back and forth and the monster hates his other self and the normal human being hates the monster and would like to cure himself of turning into the monster. So it was an inspiration. It was just scratching my head and thinking and kind of working it out. And that's how it happened. And I Thank can't you. think of a funny punchline. <laughs> I, I, I'm your biggest fan. Man. Thank you for your time, Mr. Lee. I'm wondering what the backstory was of how you decided to work with Arnold Schwarzenegger for your upcoming comic series, The Governor. What? what was your inspiration for working with Schwarzenegger to come up with The, the Governor? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me get back to the Hulk for one minute. <laughs> no, I'll get to Schwarzenegger in a minute. But I just thought of something. Even the name The Hulk... I remember there had been a comic book years ago, years ago, published by another company that featured somebody called The Heap. I don't remember who or what it was. It looked like the Swamp Thing, but they called him The Heap. And I always thought, that's a great name. So I thought The Hulk sounded like The Heap, and there it was, and that's why I called him The Hulk. Now, about Schwarzenegger. <laughs> somebody came to me and said that Arnold is kind of a fan, and now that he's not governor anymore, why don't we do an animated cartoon, and I know Arnold, and I'll introduce you, and you talk, and somehow it all came about. We were going to do a cartoon series called The Governator, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was very interested. He got excited. We went up to his office, and we had meetings, and we did sketches, and we produced a book with all the pictures and story ideas, it was going to be good. Then this happened. And um, unfortunately, we're not going to do the cartoon anymore. However, we got the cartoonist, we got the animation studio, we have everybody who is ready to go. So instead of letting them go to waste, we'll try to think of something else. So instead of the governor, the next time I come here and I'm on a panel, I'll tell you about the new cartoon show we have. But unfortunately, it won't be with Arnold. Fantastic. And I'm just wondering one more quick thing. Would you be able to give us a hint of who the villain will be in the Avengers movie? I'm sorry, say it one more time. Would you, you be too? willing to give us a hint of who the central villain in the upcoming Avengers movie would be? I, I, I actually have to, would have to hold him down to make sure he couldn't answer that one. What okay. was the question? The, who's the villain in the Avengers movie? I don't know. No, I, I, w I would probably tell you because I can't keep a secret, but I really <laughs> don't know. <laughs> I got to also mention, I, he was the nicest guy. He was very pleasant to talk to, intelligent as hell. 
I think he can speak perfect English, but he kept that accent because it gave him a distinction, you know? But I was very, very surprised and really disappointed because I thought he was a hell of a good guy. Enough about Arnold. Okay, now we get on to other things. Um, so, in your original Spider-Man comics, you always made sure that you didn't just show the superhero side, you wanted to make sure you showed like their problems in their real life outside of being a superhero. Did you ever have trouble like not having too much action but not having too much of his real life so that it didn't it stayed like a perfect medium? All I could make out was did you ever have? <laughs> That's all I heard. That's um, all. How do you balance the action side of the superhero comics with the human problems that they go through? Well, that's just writing stories. That's what every writer does. You can't, <clears throat> when you do a superhero story or any kind of an action story, <clears throat> you can't just have one action scene after another. There has to be something about the characters' personal lives and how they get into this and how they'll get out of this and what are their problems and hopes and aspirations and frustrations. You need all of that. So... It's not just me. That's what everybody does when they write a story. They figure, okay, here's the problem. If it's a superhero story, here's the villain. If it's just a normal story, here's the problem. And the hero or heroine is faced with it. How are they going to solve it? How are they going to get out of it? And what personal elements in their lives will make the story interesting besides the fact that they're just trying to solve the problem? Did I say that confusingly? No. no. Did I say it beautifully? It I articulated it well. It was I was sincere and it was heartfelt. Okay. It Thank was you. masterful. Hello, Stan Lee. So many of your characters use technology, and some of them use it a lot. Uh, do you consider yourself technologically advanced? I am the dumbest guy technically you'll ever know. I mean, how did the Fantastic Four become the Fantastic Four? They were slapped with cosmic rays. How did the Hulk become the Hulk? He was hit with a gamma ray. I wouldn't know a gamma ray if it hit me in the... I don't even know what those rays are. I read the name somewhere. Um, Spider-Man, a radioactive spider. That's the extent of my scientific knowledge. Wait, I'll tell you one thing, though. Oh, wait a minute. I'll show you how much more scientific Marvel is than I am than DC. I'll give you a concrete example. We have two characters that fly. Uh, there are two characters that fly. Superman, Thor, right? Superman flies with no visible means of propulsion. He just assumes this pose, and he's in the air flying. Marvel and I, ultimately scientific, I gave Thor a hammer with a leather thong attached to his wrist. He swings that hammer so fast it's like a propeller. Then he lets it go. And naturally, the hammer goes flying off into space. But the thong is attached to his wrist. So it pulls Thor along. So am I a technical wizard or am I not? 
Eat your heart out, DC. <laughs> that's, that's pure genius. Thank you very much. Thank you for recognizing the genius behind that. Um, I was just wondering, uh, which was your favorite cameo in a movie? I think I have two favorites. You, you know, I'm drinking this out of nervousness. I don't even like coffee. <laughs> Um, uh, my favorite cameo had been, although I think I like them all, the one where I'm talking to Spider-Man and I say, yes, one man can make a difference, Nuff said. I might add the, the director added the Nuff said, which I thought was very nice of him. Um, and I love the cameo in Thor because everybody thinks it's so funny. <laughs> You didn't know I could drive a truck that good, huh? <laughs> what was that? Get her done. Oh, get her done. Get her done. Get her done? Get her done. Get a gun? What? Oh, now I don't understand him. Get a gun? Get her done. Get her done. Get her done. Get her done. Okay, get her done. Oh, man. This is a strange audience. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Why can't DC and Marvel be friends or just one big company? What was that? Why can't DC and Marvel just be friends? <laughs> was that a girl? It's a little boy. Oh. See this right here? Yeah. My friend... We are friends. This is just this is just kidding around. I um, most of the people who work well, not anymore because I'm sort of out of it. I I don't know most of the new writers and artists. But when I was working there, we would get together with a lot of the DC guys. I would get together. Carmine Infantino was the editor in those days of DC, and I would meet Carmine in New York. Um, and a couple of his assistant editors and whatever artists were free, and I'd have Ramita with me or one of our guys, and we'd go to a bar called Friar Tuck, and we'd have drinks, and we'd talk and kid around. And most of the artists would go back and forth. The guy would work for DC for a while, then he'd work for us, and we were all friends. But it was more fun, as it is today, to make it seem as if it's a big feud. Because people are really naturally very hostile. They love it when other people fight. <laughs> and it's more entertaining. But, I mean, the guys at DC, they're, they're geniuses. They're, they're some of the artwork, some of their stories are great. But I'll never admit it. <laughs> but we're all friends, really. I mean... Why can't the characters? Oh, why can't the characters be friends? They're always like friends. We d they are. Years ago, it wasn't easy to do, but I managed to put together with, after months of haggling with lawyers and publishers and people, we put together a book, Spider-Man and Superman, together in one issue. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It was a big oversized book. And, and the biggest fight was whose name would come first on the cover. So we compromised. I forget whose name came first, but whichever name it was, on the inside of the book, the other name was first, and on and on. 
and uh, the book sold very well. And I thought we ought to do a lot of them, but the lawyers said it was too complicated to get all the rights in order, and we didn't. But it, it would be fun to do stories. People are always saying to me, who'd win in a fight, Thor or Superman, Batman or Spider-Man, on and on. And I can't tell them. I do not know the answer. In fact, people would always ask me, who'd win a fight, The Thing or Galactus or Iron Man or this one? And I finally had to come up with a phony answer, because there is no answer, so I would say, it depends on who's writing the story. And I got off the hook that way. <laughs> Why not one big company? <laughs> what? It's okay, we'll move on to the next question. Go ahead. Um, what was your inspiration or the idea that made you come up with Fantastic Four? <clears throat> well, I, my publisher said that DC Comics had a book called The Justice League, I thought it was Justice Society or something like that, and it was selling very well. <clears throat> and he said, why don't we do a book with a few heroes and one story? So at that time, we didn't have any superheroes. I think we were doing monster books at that time. So I said, okay, but I couldn't take a superhero from different books and put him together like the Justice League. I had to make up a team of superheroes to begin with because we didn't have any others. So I figured I would try to do it differently. For example, the, his, the um, man with the superpower, Mr. Fantastic, he wouldn't keep it a secret like Clark Kent that he's really a superhero. And the girl would know who he is. In fact, they'd be engaged to be married. And she'd have a superpower too, just like if Lois Lane had a superpower. Then I felt, I want to get a teenager in there, but... I'll tell you a secret. I hate teenage sidekicks. <laughs> I always felt if I were a superhero, there's no way I would hang with a teenager. At, at the very least, people would talk. <clears throat> but, but the publisher liked having, he wanted to have a teenager in there. They always feel if you have a teenager in the story, then teenagers will read the story. You know, it's nonsense. There were no teenagers in Robin Hood and in, in any famous story in the world. They didn't throw teenagers in there. But anyway, so I figured I'll have a teenager, but I'll let him be one of the superheroes, and I'll make him the brother of the girl who's engaged to the man. Then I figured, I want a guy who's real strong, but I'll make him half monster, but I'll make him funny, but he's tragic funny. I don't know, I, I, now that I think of it, I set a very tough project for myself. But anyway, that's what I was thinking of, because I wanted it to be different. And I did it, and that was it, and we were lucky, and it worked, mainly, I think, because Jack Kirby drew it so beautifully, and there we were. <clears throat> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, how did you think of the concept for Ultimo? The concept for, for what? Ultimo. Ultimo is the Japanese thing. Isn't that that Japanese comic I'm doing? Yeah. Yeah. 
sometimes they all get homogenized in my mind. Um, somebody asked me if I would come up with something for a Japanese publisher. And I thought the word Ultimo was a good name. And I wrote the outline of what I thought it should be. The Because um, the Japanese love things that are symbolic and... Uh, metaphysical and so forth. So I figured I'd have somebody who represented the ultimate force for good opposed to somebody who represented the ultimate force for evil. And um, I don't remember. I, I think the good one was supposed to be Ultimo, but I think they changed that. And that was it. And I just gave them the idea. And then they had their own writer and artist run with it. So they've been doing it. It's been very successful. And they even have English versions now that are sold in this country. And if it's a big success, I'll take the credit for it. If it isn't, I'll say, I didn't have much to do with it. I just came up with the idea. <laughs> All right, one last thing. Is Ultimo a boy or a girl? Is Ultimo a boy or a girl? You know, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I mean, I'm not sure who Ultimo is because... I don't know if Ultimo is the good one or the bad one or is some other character in the story that I haven't met yet. Um, frankly, both of them, the way the artist drew them, they both look a little bit effeminate to me. Both of the, the good and the bad character. They weren't the way I had envisioned them. Uh, you, I can't explain it. You go out and get a copy of Ultimo and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I have a feeling that was a very unsatisfactory answer I gave. I, I'm ashamed of myself. But I, and I never thought of it. I really don't know which one is Ultimo. I don't know who Ultimo is. But it was my name. I better go and read that again. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, it's an honor. Um, you've said that one of your favorite... Uh, superheroes that you created was Spider-Man, and I, I've always loved Iron Man, but who's your favorite superhero in which you did not have any part in creating? Favorite I heard the first part. Favorite superhero that you did not create? Well, if I didn't create it, it wouldn't be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there was a character that DC had and I don't think they have him anymore, so maybe it didn't work well. I thought he was great, and I don't remember his name. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, it was a few years ago. He was the roughest, toughest guy. He was a bad guy. Lobo. What was the name? Lobo? What? Lobo, yeah. I thought Lobo was great. I wish I had made that up. And that shows what I know. The thing probably died. But that was a good character. I can't think of any others. All right, one more question. Uh, you huh? look great for your age. What is your secret to your longevity? You look great for your age. What's your secret to your longevity? Oh, well, I'll tell you. The thing that keeps you in condition is worry. <laughs> but but you, you can't do it casually. <laughs> I have a formula. You must, you must spend one hour a day dedicated to worrying. 
you just lock yourself in a room if you must because you don't want to be disturbed. And you do intensive worrying for that hour. The minute the hour is over, you stop. And until the next day at that time, you don't worry about a goddamn thing. <laughs> I may write a book about that. Thank you. You guys, I'm, I'm afraid we only have time for one more question. Sorry, guys. Oh, I was, uh... Sorry. Oh, it's a lame question. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I was just hoping you would start talking about your pre-superhero stuff, your funny animal comics. Uh, what was it like to uh, work on Ziggy Pig with Al Jaffe? Could you describe that experience? The, uh, Al Jaffe, uh, he and I worked on animated type comics and humor comics. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, he was a genius. He was wonderful. We did a strip called, I still remember, Silly Seal and Ziggy Pig. Now a classic. <laughs> um, I can't remember any details, but again, I would give him just the rough idea of what I wanted. He would draw it, then I would put in the dialogue and... Um, I think we did one called Super Rabbit. You know, things that have become classics. <laughs> but there was a time before the superheroes at Marvel in the early days that we did a lot of animated books and teenage books. You all know Archie. Well, we had books like Millie the Model and Nellie the Nurse and uh, Georgie and Willie. And they were all like Archie. They were copies of Archie, except, of course, I think we did them better. And... Um, there was a period we did so many, and Terry Tunes, we did Heckle and Jekyll and uh, Mighty Mouse, and I loved doing those. But then, um, then we got to do crime books and war books and romance books, and then super westerns, we did a million westerns. The superheroes became popular, it's a funny thing. All the other type of books, uh, all the other genres, whether western or horror or mystery, they would last a few months or a year or two, and another genre would replace them. But ever since the superheroes came along, they have been the most popular, best-selling ones of all. They, they've outsold everything else, and they continue to do that. So for some reason, superhero stories are certainly, apparently, the most popular type of stories there are. That's very... I hope you were all taking notes. I'm afraid that's the last time, the last question we have, you guys. So thank you. Uh, it's the, Mr. Stanley. I, I just noticed... I just noticed a bad thing. I think there's somebody who's been photographing that in the back, and I've had the microphone in front of my face and the photographs are going to come out terrible. So can we do this all over again and I'll move it? Thank you very much. Hi, folks. This is the Emperor. I'm here to remind you to listen to the Emperor's Court every Saturday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here at vtwproductions.com. That's the Emperor's Court, your three-hour break from Internet porn.